Okay, and welcome to our next episode of Fate of Midgard, Stranded in the Southlands. I'm your Game Master Porter, and we have our regular players tonight, Tiffany and Aaron. Tiffany, go ahead and introduce us to your character. I play Mira Barkridge. She is a well-meaning, eccentric earthen enchantress. Her trouble is that she does not kill. And I'm sure that notion will be challenged coming up here soon. Uh, her aspects are a horticulture for hire, herbalist hobbyist. She is the caretaker of the figs. And she has a uh, modified aspect that we've changed. Her um, missing her grove um, has really escalated to to this this growing sort of tension has now become now you get the thorns because now she is angry and there is a target of her ire. Uh, her two gear aspects are her uh, warded um, reinforced amulet and the staff of summer flame. Awesome. So, and uh, how many fate points do you have? Uh, four. Four. All right. Oh, and because uh, we refreshed this session, go ahead and give yourself one more because that bomb dropping at the end of last episode was absolutely <laughs> a compel of your trouble <laughs> does not kill. However, um, giving you a compel right before a refresh kind of stinks. So go ahead and give yourself, <laughs> start this session with one extra. Well, thank you. <laughs> you will need it. <laughs> I'm sure. All right, Aaron, go ahead and introduce us to your character. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I play Eleanor Westergaard, and she is a beguiling magical slayer. Um, her aspects are Venom in My Veins, Fantastical Facades, Westergaard Family Business, Lady on a Mission, and then I have my two gear aspects, my Negative Energy Ward, and my Fancy Wit. All right. So, Tiffany, how about you remind us what exactly happened last time? Uh, so we used the contact um, Olafu to go check out her shop um, and uh, see what uh, she could tell us about the Shadow Fae, the Shadow Realm, traveling on the Shadow Roads, what kinds of things we may need to know. Um, and she was... Um, a bit aloof at first, but we were able to, um, I guess, soften her a bit and or her perception of us. Um, I, uh, I created a little plant that would maybe warm up her little shop. And she, I think, revealed maybe more than she intended about how the Shadow Fae feel about living things because she seemed so entranced by it that she told us everything that we needed to know and, and more. Um, so I'm sure all of that intel is going to prove super useful. Uh, and then on our way back home at the end of the evening, uh, we were approached by who we assumed to be a beggar in the sit in the street, uh, named Sal, who seemed to be a, a merchant of information, a broker of information to the, um, rival vampire groups in the city, the Shazerites and the Nesferati. And so we learned a little bit about them and uh, Eleanor dispatched a little Westergaard family business on him. <laughs> and uh, we weren't quite able to neutralize him completely. He did get away, but I think the message was received. 
And then upon returning to our uh, humble abode, um, a very ghostly visitor delivered a message uh, in a most dramatic fashion. And we learned that um, both Nakumba and Tomlin are being held captive in Meshkanet's dungeon. And she only values the life of one of them. And she's only holding Tomlin as um, leverage over us. And she demanded that we surrender ourselves to her, return to Perbestet, um, or she threatened to turn him into a ghoulish undead forever. So yeah, that happened. So with that, let's go ahead and pick up in the immediate aftermath of that moment. The, the, uh, the, the messenger from Meshkenet left, had, had left flying off rather impressively. And then you, you watched the message through the gem, which then shattered and the room is silent as the little puff of smoke rises up from the gem and Meshkenet's final words ring out in the, uh, in the silence. If you don't come to me, your little man will suffer under my yoke forever. And the, the puff of smoke rises and the gem cracks and shatters and the room is quiet. So Mira is in complete silent shock, much as I, the player, was, um, with her hands clasped over her mouth, silent tears just streaming down her face. And the, the only thing that she's able to even say the minute she remembers to breathe is she's just repeating what Tomlin was saying. She's just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And to him, to Eleanor, to herself, to no one, to everyone, she just feels this absolutely crushing sense of responsibility that's making it hard for her to find air. And with what little air she can grasp for, she's apologizing. And then the despair is replaced with rage. Silent at first, she's not sure when this transition takes place, but just heat is just building up in her lungs. And her hands that are clasped over her mouth tighten into fists. And her fingers are digging into her palms. She's still not able to speak, but she's made a very distinct pivot in her heart, which is no sense in looking back. There's only one thing to do, and that's to plow forward with singular purpose. But she still hasn't said anything. Eleanor is sitting there in shock, uh, pretty much not able to breathe. You know, when you take a breath and you hold it in, 
so that you're ready to jump to action. That's she's just been waiting with the bated breath. Um, and then she just looks at Mira, head shaking. Unable to say anything because of what has just transpired. And all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together in a sense. And she is understanding the actual ramifications of the decisions that were made a while ago. And now the consequences that are going to follow. Eleanor, I don't know what to do. We have to do something. I... And then I... Mira's looking at, at Eleanor's face, obviously. The minute that she's able to raise her eyes up from the floor, she's, of course, she's looking at Eleanor because we had this conversation on our way to, to her anew. We had this conversation about, you know, what we are each capable of and the ramifications of our choices in that in that fight. And her first thought, of course, is for those who are in trouble and thinking about Tomlin's fate. And now she's able to face the person in the room who she has to own up to, which is her best friend. She doesn't know what to do because this is not, the stakes have never been this high in her whole life. Eleanor, we have to save him. We have to save him. There, we, we have to save him. Eleanor is still I, shaking her head in disbelief. In anger, she cannot talk to you right now. I understand that these are the these are the direct consequences of my actions, and I am ready to take responsibility for them. But in the end, an innocent life is being held in the balance, and we are the only ones who can save him. And I need your help to do that. I can't do it alone. Mira, we don't... I... I understand. I... I, I cannot believe... I cannot believe this has happened. What, I don't... What are we supposed to do? We can't... We're meeting the God King tomorrow. We've worked so hard to get here to meet him. And and what you just want to just throw it away? No. Or, look, I'm I'm not saying that we need to leave at first light. I'm not even saying we need to leave tomorrow because it would be it would be foolish to run into the lion's den unequipped and unprepared and become victims ourselves. We don't do anyone any favors rushing in with no with no hope of hope of success we have to know what we're doing with preparation so that we can make sure we are successful because i can't let him down and if it means waiting just a little longer to make sure that we can achieve our goal and get there we need to do this strategically and gain as much insight as we can 
what it comes down to, it could have been us in that dungeon. Think about it. Had Nakumba and Daruka succeeded in the desert before we even arrived, they could have plucked us off of Donovan's back and we could be in that very dungeon right now. Yes, but we're not in that dungeon because we are smarter than that. But she is still a threat. She is, but if we go running to her, give her what she wants, right now we are so far ahead of her. Obviously not. We thought we were. She 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 sent her messenger to our door. But why? Why did she send the messenger? Why didn't she just come get us herself? She can't. If she has access to muscle, like Nakumba and Daruka, there are multitudes who would take their place. And the beauty of an undead queen, she's got time, and she's going after people who have everlasting life. She's playing a long game. Tomlin is the only one who doesn't have time. But why did she come after us in the first place? For the for the, the figs, I'm assuming. She obviously cares nothing for the figs. She had one, and it's shredded here in this box. Yes, yes, it's true. If she wanted the figs, she would have made sure that was the first thing that we were dispossessed of upon our capture. Hmm. And they didn't even check. They didn't, they let us even hold on to our bags. This is right. They didn't even ask. Her most trusted, her most trusted assassins kept us under lock and key yes so maybe she wants us our lives are valuable which means yes just as she is using them as leverage just as using tomlin as leverage over us she didn't say surrender the figs she said surrender yourselves so she has strategy and we owe it to him, and we owe it to ourselves to find out what that long game is and how to undermine it successfully. And I think the key to that is going to be the God King. We could just go to the Shadow Realm and get back to the Oasis and just forget about all this. Maybe you can. I can't. It was mercy that got us into this. And it is because of that mercy that I can't let it go. I have to see it through. But we have to do so with tact and intellect. You know, Mira, I just, I I don't know. I don't... You, we are in this mess. We don't have to be in this mess. Everything that happened, we can just leave it. And we can go to the Shadow Realm and we'll never have to think about it again. I don't think I'm capable of that. 
All right. I, can we just maybe... I don't know that I can make my decision right I'm now. I'm not asking you to. I'm not asking you to make a decision today. Let's talk to the God King tomorrow. Yes. And see what we can glean from his knowledge of others like himself and of the shadow realm. And we'll make a plan from there. But I'll ask you this. If, if you don't mind my asking, you don't have to answer. But I'm curious. Why have the Westergaards dedicated their lives, their legacy, to going after those who would do harm to others? You know, it's a business. Like you said, the Westergaard family business, we got paid to do jobs. Other people were in our territory. We would take care of them. I'm not used to this go be a hero kind of a thing. But certainly you understand how to use a certain skill set to neutralize threats against your lives or others. Yes, it's very true. So let, let's go talk to the God King and then, and then we shall see. The fact that Mishkenet is still chasing us, maybe we should split. Maybe she can only get, maybe she won't be able to follow both of us. <laughs> wow, that was a suggestion I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it's there's valid. Only, there's it's only totally, one of her. Totally valid. Mira's heart kind of like breaks. <laughs> it's like the animation where like you see like the ice and like the battering pieces just go like <laughs> I mean it's an option. <laughs> it's when we're looking at all the mm -hmm. options we have, that's an option. It is. Look, I I think we would both benefit from sleeping on this. Yes, I'm Mira, sure I, I'm, told you, I'm going to bed. And Mira just, uh, Mira. <laughs> Eleanor just kind of turns, she's done talking, she's done. And she's going to go and go to sleep. Well, no, she's probably not going to sleep. She's just going to sit there extremely frightened, you know, ready to, maybe not frightened, on alert. Because, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Mira sits on the window ledge and she doesn't do this often, but the, uh, the night demands and, uh, she packs a, um, she packs a small pipe of, of, uh, sort of an herbal smoke to, to relax of like her most basically like relaxing, uh, remedy that she can kind of put together everything that she's got the the sleeping herbs the you know the sort of like buzzing kind of like she doesn't want to get high she doesn't want to like escape the situation she just wants to like bring the adrenaline down 
and like find a way to get sleep sure because only way to face the day with with you know squared off focus tomorrow is to sleep and she has to find some way to do that so she sits out the window and just stares at the stars not stars it's cloudy in Perinu. it is always cloudy in <laughs> Perinu. she stares out at the blanket of the facetless blanket of darkness that is the night sky smoking you can see a nice bit of glow mind. coming from where the moon is behind the clouds <laughs> so you tell me does it work To some degree, yes. Okay. All right. The next day. So the, uh, the, the great court doesn't happen until after sundown. So, um, it's evening. You arrive. Hey, I thought that we were getting a private audience with the God King. You will. Okay. You will. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay. So. Um, the, the, the audience has happened in the context of a big public event that then he then holds court, holds private courts. Mm. So, so you arrive at the great square after sundown and you have never actually seen any area in the city except the bazaar, except for the spice market be this packed. And this time it's different. Uh, more so than you've ever seen in any of the streets or the spice market, even after dark. The, the presence of the undead is more public and visible than you've ever seen before. You are very aware of your humanity as you're walking amongst these, these groups. Um, are you guys disguised? No? Nope. Level okay. 10 characters. <laughs> all right. No, I think if we're going to meet the, you know, the one we came all this way for, we need to have our cards on the table. And I think any level of disguise would, I think, breed distrust. Okay. That we need him on board. So you are heading into the, into the great square and it's a, there's a kind of a big, big wide opening. There's walls around the open courtyard in front of the temple. And then there's a, the big, and then there's the big stairway that rises up to the temple that we've talked about before. And up on that, uh, that stairway, there's a, a dais that we talked about before was covered in, uh, dried blood. And now there is an altar there um, that wasn't there before. So as you walk into the Great Square, there are fires all around ringing the circle of the square. So everything is kind of cast in this really orange light. And there is a pulsing drum chorus going on. There are three large drums set in different spots along the wall. Kind of like the, I don't know what they're called, the big Japanese drums. They're like the size of a person. And then you beat on them with the big sticks. Like There's three of those. And they're running this really intense drum chorus um, as the uh, in the firelight. You are bumping shoulders with, with uh, Dara Cool, who are not making any attempt 
to cloak themselves with um with other more uh uh more uh sorry you're also occasionally coming in close contact with insubstantial undead ghosts specters you see shadows dancing along walls there are dark cloud shaped uh things that are about the size of a human with deep glowing red eyes there are minotaurs walking around and there are a few humans not very many it seems like unless they really need to humans stay away from these event from this event so you get into the square and uh as you're looking around you see a line of petitioners and at the front of that line is Herrix and his specters and his or sorry his wraiths and the uh the and several other guards around him and they're um kind of talking to people in the line and there that line looks long it actually runs along a, a, the the side of a wall kind of all the way back out the great to the end of the great square but he's up there at the front of the line does it seem like there's a crowd around like i want to know how many people we're going to piss off if we saunter straight up to the front of the line oh a lot at least like <laughs> like like a hundred there's a lot of people this is a long line uh think- but like the crowd okay the crowd there's a little bit of a gap between the line and the crowd but not that much I think we yeah. need to find Herrick's. Yeah, he's right up there. You okay. see him. Yeah, I think we're just going to go up and talk to him. Yeah. Okay, so what do you... He's right there. He he looks like he's talking to somebody. Um, We go up, and I just want to tap him on the shoulder, and... He... Kind of nod. He turns as he... as Reacting to the tap on your shoulder, he turns up. What the f... Oh, oh, oh. Yes, you. Hello, we are here for our meeting. He nods. That you are. And uh, he takes you and he sets you third in line. Okay. okay. At that point, a large, big, beefy dude with some serious, um, with some serious skull tattoos on each peck steps forward, gets a finger in Herrick's face. I've been waiting for three months and you are not a bad... And suddenly, Herrick's guards just pounce on him and slam him into the wall and proceed to beat the crap out of him. And Herrick's just shrugs. And he says, You're third. All right. And he moves on. Herrick's, that was not our deal. And you know it. He turns. Excuse me? What's your problem? Based on the terms we discussed, this was not what we had arranged. He holds his hands up like a very much, what are you talking about? 
I'm sorry, what did you expect? Herrix looks at the two of you, shrugs, and says, Enjoy your discussion with the God King. By the way, since you're not from around here, I recommend you bow deeply. But don't grovel. He doesn't respect anyone who grovels. Bow, and then stand proud, and look him in the eyes. Scary as shit, but look him in the eyes. Do you understand? Yes, we do. Don't let him know how scared you are. I don't think that will be a problem. Great! All right, I have things to do. Good luck. And he moves on dealing with his business. After a brief break, maybe 10 to f- ten more minutes of this, um, the music from the drums changes. So up at the, up on the dais is the altar that I mentioned. It is, it is shaped out of bright platinum that shines in the firelight and the moonlight coming in through the clouds. You can see on the, the shadows of it that it's decorated with images of arched doorways po- that come to a, a steep point and three-headed jackals. Suddenly, the enormous double doors that are the entrance to the, uh, to the temple that you had walked up to before, those enormous double doors open and swing outwards. And inside the doors is just pitch black. You cannot see anything inside the temple from there. But you see who you can, uh, a figure walk out that you can only assume is God King Ursu. And he is cloaked in grand robes that has a sweeping mantle across his shoulders. And his, and it ends in big curvy points that arc outwards from his shoulders in their, in these big pointy crimson edges. And then the cloak spills out over the back of those crimson arcs. And then, um, he is, he's wearing a matching crown that has uh, three curved spines arching upwards that comes up probably a good foot above his head. So he's just this regal, powerful shape. And he walks forward. Behind him come a uh, a group of priests. And uh, he stands behind the altar. The priests uh, behind him of Anuakma, they're all wearing jackal masks, all drag out a dragon folk in chains. He's stumbling along. And as you look, you th- the way he's stumbling, he seems very foggy, and you're pretty sure he's drugged or something like that. And they drag him to the altar, and they chain him down so his stomach is exposed, his arms are bent down to the sides, and Irsu stands behind him and lifts his arms, and the drums change their tempo again. One of the priests walks up to Irsu and holds a... uh holds up a little pillow to him. And from that pillow, Irsu takes out a wicked curved dagger that gleams silver in the moonlight. 
and he begins chanting arcane words that reverberate throughout the square. His voice is like vibrating in your bones. Does Mira know what he's saying? No. No, you don't. You can tell he is casting a spell of some kind, but you don't. It's very much outside of your expertise. Um, and then the mu- as the music rises to a crescendo, he plunges the dagger into the, into the, the dragon folks gut and per- starts performing a divination ba- uh, using the eviscera. And blood drips down the altar, staining the steps below, and the crowd cheers. The God King turns and disappears back into the darkness of the temple, and the doors stay open. And it's just this void of pitch black behind him. At this point, the crowd erupts into a big show. There are entertainers, there are hawkers, there are, like, it's a, it's a, it's a celebration in the city. Except for those standing in line with you. The first uh, petitioner is a bespectacled middle-aged lady, and she's wearing a very crisp and proper suit um, on her and uh, on her wide form. She's very put together. Her hair is pulled up into some into some very uh, well-groomed puffs, and she fixes her spectacle spectacles on her nose, and she strides up the stairs um, and you wait. And then a few minutes later, a, uh, a functionary at the top of the stairs sends a signal down to the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, um, the Darakul that is right in front of you at the bottom of the stairs. And he signals for the second petitioner to go up. This is a large, the, the, the one, this is the person in front of you and it's a large male minotaur and he's dressed in the robes of a Siwali trader. And he's followed by two gnolls, who are his attendants, carrying a big chest. And they stride up the stairs. And he looks like he's ready to make a deal. A few minutes go by. And suddenly the two gnolls come scurrying out of the blackness. And they're dragging the minotaur behind, with them. And one of his legs has been turned into solid stone. And they drag him down the stairs on the other side of things, and he's crying out, and he gets he disappears into the crowd. The bee, uh, the priest at the top of the stairs signals down to the priest at the bottom of the stairs. He looks at the two of you. Your turn. And it's your chance to go up the giant set of stairs and into the darkness of the temple. I look at Mira and nod. Let's start walking. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you head up the stairs, and as you approach the double doors, the same feeling that you felt before starts assaulting you. This time you get closer and closer, and as you pass through the door, your amulets are glowing bright. And you can feel it is cold, but not like a snowstorm. It is cold from deep. You feel a a chill from deep inside you. And it's just, you imagine this is what hypothermia feels like. And 
you're okay. It's contained. It's resisted. Because your amulets are glowing like crazy. But they're doing their job. So, you walk into the darkness. And the doorway there's a there's an arc of light coming in from the from the, the outside through the doorway and it stretches for about 20 feet of the and then the light is gone and you're walking forward through the uh uh through the center aisle of the temple and it is dark all around except for occasional very crisp pools of light and you see a pool of light here on on a statue and then another pool of light on a small uh on a small fountain off on one side or the other and up ahead is a column of of pale moonlight coming in through a, a slot up in the the rooftop illuminating the throne of god king irsu and he just sits and you feel like you're walking for 10 minutes to get it's definitely not taking that long but it feels like a very long walk through the temple um to reach him and as you walk you see vague shapes moving about in the temple um in the darkness but it's really hard to see what anything is and then you reach the God King. And as you get closer, you can see his features are light, are similar to the Darakuls you've seen around. He has that mouth that is a little too wide, and his features are immensely sunken, sunken but more so than any others you've met. His face is practically a skull. And his lips are pulled back from his mouth. And you can see the sharp pointed teeth just closed. And his head is completely, uh, you can tell now that his head is completely hairless underneath the crown on his head. And he, his eyes glow with a intense cold blue light. And his expression is bored and impatient. And one hand is just wrapping, just rolling his fingers across the, the arms of his, of his, uh, throne. And his throne matches the altar. Platinum glowing silver in the light with a motif of sharply pointed doorways and three-headed and three jackal heads fanning out above him. And each arm is a three-headed jackal of the chair. Each arm of the chair is a three-headed jackal. So we're going to bow, and then we are going to stand nice and tall and proud. And his one, one hand, the hand that has been rolling the fingers, just gives a little... A little fanning gesture of a, well, go ahead. But he doesn't actually say anything. He just stares at you. 
God King Ersu. I am Eleanor Westergaard, and this is my companion, Mira Barkridge. We have traveled very, very long way for a very long time to find you. And we are hoping that you can help us find our way home. We are from the Oasis of Figs. At that, when you say that, the one thing changes. You see one eyebrow cock, and nothing else moves. And his other hand, his hand just keeps rolling that little riff on the on the with his fingers. <laughs> We, like I said, we are from the Oasis of Figs, and we are trying to return. We knew of a lady named Kajima, who had once visited the Oasis, and we know that she left and returned. We also know that she came to visit you, and you provided information for her. My companion and I... We want to take the Shadow Road to the Shadow Realm, and we want to find an anchor point. He, there's a pause, and his fingers stop rolling. And he actually smiles. A sharp, pointy, really creepy smile. Hmm. Come closer. We we come closer slightly, but I mean, not too close. <laughs> Mira tightens her grip on the staff <laughs> of Summer Flame, which she's been holding this time as a walking stick, by the sure. way, because of its pilot sure. light. She's been holding it as if it's a walking stick, and she just slightly tightens her grip, steals her resolve, and saunters forward. <laughs> so, you are from the Oasis of Figs? Yes. In what, in what capacity? I am the caretaker of the figs. He looks at you, Mira, and his eyes just lock on you hard. And why are you not there? We were accosted and failed to make our rendezvous and... The oasis departed without us. We were intercepted by agents of Miss Kennet. And due to her interference, we are now unable to return. And your wisdom was shared with Kojima. Although not in its, its entirety was not shared with us. We only knew that you were the one that gave her the 
the knowledge of the shadow roads themselves, the shadow roads, though she was not brave enough to take them herself. But I assure you that we are, and we will do anything to return. Throughout this, his smile has just started widening, and it looks kind of like a shark. It's, oh, it's very off. But then he, there's a, a deep chuckle that comes from the end of this. <laughs> I do remember Kojima. <sighs> she was so weak. But her story was touching. What became of her? She chose, instead of spending her years waiting for the Oasis to return, she spent the rest of the years she had with the family she loved. Did she ever make it back? She did. It took her 15 years. Ah, so she waited. Hmm. Interesting. We do not want to wait, though. Oh? We don't have the luxury of time. And we have resources and power that she didn't. So, why are you here? And what business of it is mine? Well, you are the one who helped Kajima. We were hoping that you could help us find the Shadow Road. I could. He looks around, kind of like, who else is here? Why should I? Because, Mira, and I kind of gesture, like, let's, let's show him a fig. If I don't get back to the oasis, the fig tree will die. And I can't let that happen. Because there are a lot of people who rely on the life-giving powers of the figs themselves. This is why we have to get back. And I reach into my pocket and I've, I've singled out a single fig, the one that we have payment for Herrick's. Sure. It's in a single silk pouch just by itself. So I don't have to open the whole box and take one out. So I have one in its sort of fancy presentation. The power that one fig possesses is something I'm sure that you are aware of. The dozen figs that we were sent to deliver upon our arrival in Perbastet had a factor of power that I'm not even sure I understand, but it was intercepted by Miss Kennet. She either wants them or she wants us or the infinite power that the tree itself provides. Without us, the oasis itself 
is powerless. I'm not even sure what would happen to the Oasis, but there are powers that are kept in balance. And Ms. Kenneth has upset those powers and through your infinite wisdom, you have the ability to reset the balance. And we are hoping that you would help us do that. <laughs> Is this why I found a dagger of ice stuck to a door in my rooms with a letter on it from the Moonlit King? Are you, he gestures with, with one hand lazily, are you the daughters of the Oasis that it was referring to? We are. If we are, will that make you help us? <laughs> I threw the letter away, and I laughed. The Moonlit King does not scare me. Meshkenet does not scare me. They play their games. I don't care. I don't need this. And he gestures at your figs with disdain. There are other roads to immortality. But you're right. There is, there are powers that are being disrupted. Miss Kennet plays an interesting game. I wonder if she fully appreciates it. And what game would that be precisely? Oh, oh, clearly, you know, right? Mm. No. He rolls his eyes. I'm sure she wants her own tree. Come on! But she doesn't need... Like you said, you don't need these. Why would she need them? I don't. She probably doesn't either. But she wants them. She thinks it will change the balance somehow. I don't think so. If I thought so, I'd have done it years ago. I've been the only one who could... I've been the only one who could predict the location of the Oasis. For all time. And how exactly do you do that? Mira, like, forgets herself mm. for a second. She's, like, genuinely curious. And she, like, forgets sort of, like, the, the sort of facade of bravery. And she's just like, yeah, how, man? <laughs> With magics that would strip your soul away. Don't. Uh. Don't wrestle with things that are far above your capabilities, child. I'm the most powerful diviner on the face of this world. 
Mesh Kennet came to me for help. Me. <laughs> what did she want from you? She wanted that. She wanted to be able to know when and where the Oasis would arrive. How long ago did this exchange take place? Oh. Ten years-ish. I don't remember. Not that long ago. And what, pray tell, like the rage is boiling back up because now I'm, I'm like, I'm onto her now. Like all, all the stars are aligning in Mira's head and she's like that pieces can, that she's been desperate to connect have come together now. What did she give you? What could she have offered? Offered you in your infinite power and wisdom, what could she have offered you in exchange for this knowledge? Meshkenet had power of her own that she shared with me, the details of which are really none of your business. I have something that might be of interest to you. He looks at you kind of for the first time. He's really had his eyes locked on Mira this entire time. You. She is the keeper of the figs. Who are you? You could say that I was a personal assistant to a certain Hijani. I was sort of a bodyguard, but also a confidant. I took care of all the business that needed taking care of. He seems unimpressed, but allows you to continue. Uh, that, that's the reason I was accompanying Mira when we left the Oasis. He always sent me to help the caretaker deliver the figs. He nods. Go on. And then at this point, she kind of is going to have her fangs just kind of poke out just a little bit as she slices um, just like a little part of her wrist. And she lets the blood start to just kind of drip out just a little bit. My blood is not like the blood of many around here. You might find my blood somewhat magical. I would be willing to give you some of my blood in exchange for this knowledge. He is leaning forward for the first time in this he's you see him like look he's doing he's doing a lot of mental math you haven't turned yet have you no i've not turned 
for over 250 years. He gasps. <sighs> Incredible. And I take my wrist away and quickly tie a little bandage around right. it. Who did it to you? His name was Darius Obliviot of the Obsidian Thirst. He leans back thinking. One of the northern families? Exactly. How did you stay in this liminal state for 250 years? I've been in the oasis the entire time until just a little bit ago. His fingers start rapping again on the chair, but this time it's more intense. It's more of a thinking and deciding. What precisely do you want? We need to get to the Shadow Realm, and we need to know where the anchor point for the Oasis is and how we find it. We need a roadmap of how to get home. Ah. I can do that. The anchor point is an island far to the east in the White Sea, beyond the Maroti Empire, called Shibai. The Lotus Road travels from Coramel south of Nuria, all the way to Shabai. That is the anchor point. And when will the oasis next be there? I can tell you that. And I can give you the ritual that will open the Shadow Road in Coramel and let you swiftly travel across the land and exit on the other side in Shabai, where you can wait for it there. I can do these things. And I will do them. But it will take. He's his fingers kind of rolling again as he's doing the math. I want five bottles of your blood. How much is that? So, 
we'll we'll go with a a, me, a, a standard unit of measure since we're. In, well, I need to know. Like, I know. Like, is so, he asking for a reasonable amount, or is he wanting to drain me? Like, he is. He is asking to take enough that will leave you very, very hungry, but alive, functional, but dangerously hungry. Basically. We're going to say check four boxes of hungry and you are, it will be hard. I'm wondering is this, is this affected by the tattoos at all? Because the whole would, thing about, now it's different, I guess, because the tattoos are affecting the churning. The tattoos just, help you, you don't recover. Have blood. The tattoos help you recover that hunger or recover that blood, basically. Okay, they, they, they so the price—they won't. The price that he's asking, though, does he? Does he? Does he see the tattoos when he he's naming his the price? Tattoos. No. Okay, so the the price that he's setting is steeper than maybe Eleanor perceives it to be, based on what she knows the effects of the tattoos to be. Like, could she recover from it faster than he thinks she can? Yes, that is that is true. You will, but you will be in a tenuous position. Yeah, I'm just wondering if I can negotiate a snack when I give him blood. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, or if I would just... It's like the blood donor van giving you a granola bar and an yes! apple juice box yes! and you're out. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um... I can only do three. He, sn he like, sneers in contempt. I don't haggle like some spice market merchant. Haggling? I'm not... We're not haggling. We are making a deal. Five. There is a reason... For my number. Less than five does me no good. Five. Hmm. I look at Mira. Well, I can do three. And I start turning around. It's a very long walk to Shabai, Miss Westergaard. May I ask, is the quantity you demand have anything to do with your private studies that you conduct in between these great markets, great trials? Yes, candidly, I think it would be useful as a, sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. Yes, candidly, I think it would be useful as a component, but I 
don't need it. But I could always send a message to my dear friend, Meshkenet, and let her know where you've been and where you're going. What is it I... that you're working on? That doesn't concern you, child. Perhaps if I could help, it may offset the quantity that you are requesting of my friend. If I knew more about what your goal was, the power that I am able to wield is deep and far reaching although probably niche based on your purposes. But we are com complementary in our abilities. And so depending on your project, I might be able to help. A wielder and facilitator of eternal life, you seem to be the master of the undead, perhaps don't presume to know what I'm the master of, child. Well, please enlighten me then. No, I don't care. That's it. I've had enough. Get out! And a wind comes whooshing and starts blowing the two of you back towards the door. Door's getting closer. You're almost out the door. I, You're blowing along the I ground. Need to, tumbleweeds. I need to breathe time because I can't read that fast. <laughs> I need to breathe time. I mean, I guess I, I just give him the blood. I'll just be like, I only have one box left. So if something happens, I could turn into a vampire. That that's what that means. Just just that we're okay. All... Okay. So I can give it so, to him. Okay. So here's what Mira's thinking because again, all of this, the the stakes. I mean, what we're getting at here, right, is all of this was where this was leading. We were going to get home, regardless of Mira's choices and all the misguided stuff. That was this was always going to happen, right? Yeah. We were trying to get home. And now she's losing sight. It's going to come at the cost of Eleanor's life as well, or, you know, life force. And she is pissed. And you said the doors are open, right? Yeah, it's blowing you towards the open doors. The open. You haven't let you haven't been blown out of the temple yet. Okay. So if you'd like to stop yourselves, you may do so with a um with either a with some uh, actually tell if you would like to stop yourselves tell me how you do so so this is what i'm 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 holding you know we're we're losing our footing we're blowing backwards and i try to see if i can weasel my way around this stunt 
what I want to do is stab the, or plant the, not literally plant, but plant the staff of summer flame into the floor and basically create with a fireball an immovable rot. With a big blast, I want to melt my feet to the floor and say, no, we're not going anywhere until we got what we came for. I grab on Mira. <laughs> that sounds like a uh, like a bit of a stretch, but sure, that's appropriately cool. Sure. I mean, my other option would Go be like to it. spin it around, and like my <laughs> other option was going to be to spin it around and shoot a fireball behind us so that we propel forward. <laughs> <laughs> and basically negate the wind, but if the doors are open, the fireball would just go out the door. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I like you. Well, let's go with your idea. Sure. Okay. So with that, um, that will be a difficulty four, and this is not something. This is not focused. This is not clever. This is brutal. But you can use the stunt from your staff. Okay, so I'm not using the heat object mechanics of the stunt itself. This is just ad hoc. We're going, we're going with big drama, and we're just setting the terms of the Basically. role. Basically, yep. Okay. Yep. Brutal difficulty four. God King blowing you out the building. I literally have to roll four on the dice for this to happen. No. no. That's a negative two. Oh. Okay. Do you want to change that outcome? And does Eleanor have... Does Eleanor want to help in the situation somehow? Well, I can't really help in this situation much. Um... As far as, like, magic to do stuff. I feel like the thing Eleanor can do is to... I mean, she's the one who made... You have a fancy whip. We're not gonna attack the god king. No, I'm not saying attack the god king. I'm saying not get blown out. Grab a column, grab the post, grab something. Oh, I I grabbed onto Mira. Okay. Because you say you planted, you're, like, rooted That's what she's trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's hard. So, oh wait, she's not rooted. She's trying to make that was that what happen. I want to do, and so, I rolled exceptionally poorly. So the oh. two of you are in the course of trying to save yourselves from being okay. blown out of the temple. This is your chance to stop that from happening. Sorry, I thought that she had rooted. Got it. Okay. So I was hanging on to Mira. Understood. But I That's guess I'm what not we're trying to. Make I guess happen. I'm not hanging on to Mira. So in that case, I will use my fancy whip. Okay. To do a nice little Xena esque onto maybe a statue. Okay, so, um, are you trying to save yourself, or are you trying to help Mira succeed in planting the two of you together? Oh, um, I can help. I can help Mira. So you can invoke your fancy whip and either give her a bonus or give her a reroll by narrating how you are doing that using... Something's fun with your whip. Um, would a boost help you, or would a reroll? I mean, if I'm rolling with brutal, my brutal is zero, 
And if the difficulty is four, I can tie it at best if I'm exceptionally lucky. Okay, I'll give you a boost. Okay, so now you need four more to get. So Eleanor has her whip, and uh, they're both being blown. And she can see Mira trying to do something with a staff. She's not quite sure mm. what's going on. Um, but she quickly grabs her whip and uh, kind of, not not lassos, but cracks it. And it it grabs onto a statue. Okay. She's hanging onto the whip and grabbing onto Mira's arm. There we go. All right, Mira. So you get up. That's get, that gives you some help towards your goal. What else do you want to do to close the distance? She's holding on to. So I'm holding on to the staff with one hand, and she's holding on to my arm, mm-hmm. and she's successfully anchored by the whip with my other hand. So she's holding on to my arm, and my other hand. I want to. Oof. You have a shiny new aspect that is totally I, I know. I'm narratively trying to figure out, like, what I'm going to do to use it. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I can literally make tree roots grow out of my hands. I have to have something. So I... Think about how think about how Aaron uses Lady on a mission on a regular basis. Yeah. It's that determination, it's a mm-hmm. it's a defiance. Oh, oh I'm mechanically I'm on board. I'm deciding if it's worth yep. burning a fig or not. A fig? I was going to take the fig from my pocket and channel it and Whoa. Root ourselves to the ground. Wait. With the full... Wait, that's going to make a fig tree. Yeah, no. I'm going to say no. Yeah. That's a bad idea. We don't that's have a really bad fig. idea. <laughs> I am totally... I know. You're... It is totally thematically appropriate that you carry little, like acorn bombs or something that you can use to create growth. I'm yeah. I'm not worried okay. about that. That's that fits Okay, I just your... want to make sure that was going to be enough cuz yeah, I mean we've established that like I have, you know, you know little seedlings and, you know, dried, you know, leaves and seeds and stuff that I carry with me. So, okay. So I I just grab what I can in my pocket you know, what, what I know is there and I shoot my hands straight at the ground and I make, I, I just, I channel all of my rage and you're trying to shove us out before we get what we came all this way for. I don't think so. Now you get the thorns and it shoots directly into the ground and roots like a mangrove tree, just like shoot into the floor and shoot outwards, disrupting floor tiles and completely uprooting the structure of the room we're in. So are you re-rolling or are you giving yourself a plus two to get to your, to get to your win? I think I have to re-roll because even if I did a plus two plus Eleanor is plus two, that would still put me at 
Only two. Correct. Because I had negative. So there would the probably test. need to be one more. Th there need to be at least one more thing you bring in bring to the mix. I think you could also blow your herbalism stunt. Yeah. I think that the the acorn bomb is probably the expression of that. Yeah, I think so. It was either going to be that, or this would be like the ultimate negotiation. That doesn't feel right in this moment. This yeah, is. Yeah, I didn't think is, so either. Yeah, yeah because I'm using. Okay. Basically, herbalism to make this move happen. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So, so that would put us at four. Yeah. So pay it. Yep. So in that case, you pay another fate point. So that will all bring you, if you do that, to use your herbalism stunt, you tap an aspect, Eleanor taps an aspect. That brings you to, that brings you to a tie. Okay. Okay. So that cost me two fate points to do that. Correct. Okay, so you root yourselves dramatically. Roots spring out from your acorn bomb, giving you something to latch onto and grip. And your uh, and uh, Eleanor's uh, you, the two of you are holding hands, and Eleanor has you anchored with her whip. Your staff of four seasons blows out in a in staff a, of summer flame. Or sorry, staff of summer flame blows out in this wave. And it blows the double doors shut. <laughs> and God King Ursu stands up. Woo. The two of you are station are on the ground, stationary, probably just holding on for dear life. Balance. The wind has stopped. And he walks down to you. Mira is making absolutely unbroken eye contact. Now is your chance for negotiation. He's looking at the two of you with a with amusement and respect in a way that he hasn't done this entire time. And he's just standing in front of you. He's not large. He's not abnormally big, but he is he's filling the space in front of you. And he's just looking down at the two of you. And he's not saying anything yet. Sir, I will still, I I would still be on board for three bottles. He looks. I'm sorry. I need five. You must agree with the, the challenge that we are facing with depleting Eleanor's powers and life force itself right before we embark on a journey through the Shadow Realm. If you can sympathize with Kojima, 
we ask in your we ask for your sympathy or your aid to offset this great cost if there is anything that you can do if we can provide something to help with the remainder of what my friend is reasonably struggling to give or if there's anything else you can help us with along the shadow road Mira make a clever roll with your negotiation stunt That puts me to four. He looks at you again. Do you feed? I do. Five bottles, and I will give you one of my servants. I kind of look at Mira for with inspiration. <laughs> you look to Mira for inspiration? Yes! <laughs> well, I'm like, should I do it? You know, just kind of a... I'm looking for something, like a yes or a mm-mm. Eleanor, I can't tell you what to do with your life. It is your call. Only you can tell me where your powers can take you and where you are willing to go. And I will follow you. So is this thirsty? If I do five boxes... That means with this servant, I'm going to have to make a roll, like a saving throw, basically. And if I fail, I drain him or her. It's a dangerous situation. Like, it is. I mean, I I guess I do have all my fate points. And I think that's enough to hopefully fix something, but... Okay. So... Okay, here's the Hail Mary. Mechanically, stop me if this doesn't work like this. All right. If I give the servant a fig to eat, <laughs> and then she feeds. I see what you're doing. Does he Very drain? Clever. Very clever. And therefore, does it turn her? That's very clever. That is very clever. I thought you were go. Uh, the direction I thought you were going was, could she give the blood and then eat a fig? And would that... Because the figs has always been... I don't been... know, that's an interesting question, too. <laughs> I mean, that's a more cut and dry way to do it, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I would <laughs> actually... I would say that that is actually a... Like, that's basically what the figs have been doing for her for yeah. 250 years. I guess that's what I was, I didn't, that's, I guess, where I was going with it, because I didn't understand fully. I'm not sure if we worked out no. exactly what, like, the medical mechanics were of the figs to her and how it turns into Yeah, we've never specified, but that's a, that's actually a very good, uh, that's okay. a, that well, seems then, like a good solution that I would support. Okay. Okay. If we feel good with that, then I will agree to his terms. So, Mira, do you want to have that realization? Do, 
do the I, it seems like one of you needs to say something to the other one to like figure out that that's the that's your answer that that's the how okay. you get around this so instead of my so i guess instead of my let's retcon instead of my speech <laughs> about like it's your life it's your choice whatever you want to do um eleanor i have eight different ways that i would be able to help you in your time of need should it come to it in your weakened state wink <laughs> so do you actually say that or do the, just the wink no i say that no oh. i don't want him to know that oh, i'm okay. just gonna undo okay. like yeah i, I like the, i don't want him to know that. that like oh yeah that's cool we got this <laughs> i want him to know that I'm just going to help her. We're going to slink out of here and she's all weakened and stuff, but then we're just going to power her up as soon as we need. <laughs> okay. Um, I just kind of gesture my arm out and say, you have a deal. Good. Come with me. He leads you off into a, uh, he leads you off down a hallway. As you go deeper into this building, it keeps getting colder from the inside and your um your necklaces are basic your amulets are basically working like a flashlight now um at one point he actually stops and looks and you think he was about to ask you a question but he looks at your neck at your amulets and uh he shrugs and keeps leading you on um and you reach a, a small room, and it looks like a a laboratory. You sit over there for Eleanor. Just there's a there's a a very pristine chair, and uh, there's a bunch of surgical implements all over the place. <laughs> And he pulls out a bunch of bottles and long tubes and needles. And I'm not going to get into the medical details because I don't know. But we're going to basically set up a big old giant blood draw. And um, he sets, he, uh, before he inserts the needle he says i will be back soon we, oh he he's brought in an attendant along the way who's going to help kind of manage the the medical stuff um that he's going to leave you with i will be back soon and i will bring you the details that you need in the meantime you are my guests. And he says it with a sharky smile that is not warming at all. And he leaves the room. I assume I get hooked up to all the things the, and start, uh, start giving the blood. Yep, the, uh, the, the doctor takes care of all the stuff and you feel yourself. You feel yourself draining, Eleanor. It is going down and down as he fills up one bottle. And then he fills up a second one. 
when it gets to the third, you feel yourself feeling very, very thin. And your fangs start extending, and it just keeps going. And he gets to the fourth, and you're starting to feel yourself change. And Mira, as you're watching her, when she's had her moments of of vampiric outbursts, and uh, has been... That's what she looks like now, but instead of it being a burst, it's just there. And then it gets to the fifth bottle... And you are breathing heavily and you're, you're exhausted and you're so, so hungry. And you can, as you look at Eleanor, you can see and hear the, the veins pumping in her neck and along her, the side of her head and in her arms. And you just want to jump on Mira and dig in. I thought they were going to have a snack, though, for me. He he disconnects the fifth bottle. And he sticks his head out the door and waves someone in. And in comes a young servant... A lady dressed in simple linen robes. She looks like a nurse attendant of some kind. And she walks in and it looks like she thinks she's going to like start cleaning stuff up. And instead the doctor grabs her and shoves her in front of himself in between (laughs) you and him and shoves her right at you. And she gasps when she sees your face and she screams and her hands go to her mouth and she drops to her knees. Mira is like rifling through her pockets as as fast as she possibly can. And she reaches for the fig that she has already for him because that's the most easily accessible one was the one for Herrick's. Okay. And she reaches for it and, and like dives her body in between this, you know, poor unsuspecting victim and Eleanor and just like basically force feeds her and just goes, have a snack, Eleanor. I know this would, this, this may take the edge off. So this is like getting in between a tiger and a steak. Yeah. I mean, Eleanor is extremely hungry right now. It's doable. How are you I'm literally hoping I can physically get this in her mouth. That is clearly open and gnashing and like ready to pounce on this person. I physically want to get the magic in her body as soon as possible. So and I'm willing to risk a finger to do it. So, um, a lot of uh, years ago, I'm switching to a real life story. My cat was looking out the glass window at the neighbor cat and they were having a little hissing match and like a little. You know, they they wanted to go at each other through this glass door. And I went around to, I wanted to close the door um, so the cats couldn't see each other. And my cat didn't see me. But when I went to close the door, I scared him and he attacked me, not the cat that he was going for. 
And so I'm a little nervous that if Mira is diving in between mm -hmm. Eleanor, who's going to feed, I just don't know what's going to happen if you dive in between. So I'm going to suggest that Mira comes in, that we we uh, we take a roll between Mira's focus and Eleanor's fast, but Eleanor's operating at heroic scale because she's in vamp Vampire. mode. And let's see what happens. So we're rolling against each other. Mm -hmm. I'm using fast. Is that what you Actually, said? what is your fast versus brutal? They're the same. Okay. Let, let's call it brutal, actually. Okay. Brutal. All right. So my my focus is three. Yeah. So my thought is uh -huh. you're, you're trying to get through to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm rolling to oppose her. Yep. You're basically trying to blow past her to the girl. And I'm operating at heroic scale. Yep. So you're brutal plus one. Three. Five. Oh, wow. All right. So, Mira. Sorry. Sorry. Back up. Four. Oh, four. I do math. Math is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Still, four. All right, so Mira breaks in between the girl and Eleanor with the fig and gets her eyes locked onto it and gets it right in her face. And Eleanor, through the, through the pounding of the blood of everyone who's in this room, you smell the sweet, heady scent of life in that, that fig is almost pulsing with a vein of its own. And it gets through to you. And you're able to control yourself. And take the fig. Okay, so if I take it and I eat it, is it going to... What, what, it will, will... The fig clears your thirsty. All of it. That is what the figs have oh, done. Oh, sweet. For 250 years, you probably would have killed, you probably would have hurt that girl. You may not have killed her, you probably would have hurt her pretty badly. So. Well, go Mira. Go Mira. At this point, the girl just screams and runs from the room. The, the, uh, the, the doctor is calling after her and then just backs away and takes the kind of moves the bottles with him and he's trying to not be noticed but there's an almost immediate change in Eleanor as the first bites of the fig get swallowed and then the bites after that her features return to human you feel your teeth retract and everything calms down and at this moment, God King Ursu returns with a scroll in hand. Ah, it looks like we're done. Good. Here's what you need. And he sets the scroll on a table in the middle of the room. This is a ritual 
that you can perform. You will need to do this in Coramel. You know where Coramel is, I assume? If it's found on a map, we'll find it. You've shown that you wield power. Are either of you trained in the finer points of ritual magic? We've had some experience participating in ritual magic. Although we are not explicitly trained ourselves. He rolls his eyes. I see. Then you'll need a proper ritualist to help you lead this. Go back to Coromel. On the River Nuria is a pier. A large pier made of stone. You can row a boat underneath it. Look for this symbol. He, un he opens the scroll and shows you a symbol. Look for that symbol for the place to pass under the pier. You must do this right before sunrise or just after sunset. The moment of transition between darkness and light is paramount. The one leading the ritual must hold a lantern that spins on a string. As he's pointing at little points on the scroll as he's describing this, basically giving you the giving you the cliff notes of the detail that is in there. As you pass underneath the pier, you must make a sacrifice. Pain and suffering are required. You can fuel the ritual and ensure that it proceeds in time. If someone makes an admission of a betrayal or a broken heart, and it's even more potent if the confessor is staying behind. When the chant is completed, he outline, he, he's kind of runs his finger by a series of texts. And the sacrifice is made. The door will open. And you will enter the shadow boat. You must have something of your destination. I presume that you have something from the Oasis? We do. Yeah. Then you will enter the Shadow Road that will take you most expediently to your destination. It will still be a journey, for the Shadow Road is not a portal but it will be much faster than traveling to Shabai on foot. I figured out when the Oasis will next arrive at the anchor point. It will be there in one month, two days. He references, he, his finger sort of 
circles an exact date on the scroll. I'm not going to make up the calendar of Midgard. That is your time. Don't waste it. Do you understand? Yes, we do. Thank you. Can we use these shadow roads to go to other locations? The shadow roads go nearly... Not yet. The shadow roads go many places across Midgard. Do we just need to have an item from the location we'd like to go? And then it will take us? This specific version of the ritual will, combined with your item, will take you there. This would not take you, for example, north to Zobek. If we needed to get to Herbastet, could you give us a ritual to do that? I mean, it's possible, but why would you? We need... Our business with Mishkenet is not done with. <laughs> he smiles. So you need to get back to Perbestet quickly in order to make trouble for Meshkenet? That is correct. He smiles again, broadly. That wide, sharky smile that you saw earlier. Why? Just take a cat slide alley. Do you remember the cat slide alleys? I do. Are they present here in Peranu? I know one. Well, that would be great. And I'll even, I'll even do it for free as long as you make some good trouble for Meshkenet. Can we get... Never mind. We, we can get to Cormel from Perbusta on our carpet. Oh, yeah. That wasn't... You did that before. It was not a long yeah. journey. Yeah, never mind. If, if I may, you have upheld your end of the bargain and, and more, and as, as have we. So this is merely curiosity, perhaps a mutually beneficial one. Why would you... What amusement is it to you if we make trouble... Or he shrugs. There are only so many beings in the Southlands that that I compete with. Throwing Meshkenet off her balance for a bit opens doors, or maybe even just a window. And besides, 
it amuses me. We're not friends. If we may, if we may be acting as your agents in doing this, what insight into Mesh Kenneth's downfall or weaknesses could you lend us? <laughs> now, now, now. Don't go so far as to call yourself my agents. You're not. And also don't get it into your pretty little heads that you're going to destroy the likes of Meshkenet. Content yourselves with causing her trouble and survive the experience. I, I accept the limitations of our power and I acknowledge the excess of yours. That being said, if she is your inferior, you must know some way to really take her down a peg. Hmm. He folds his arms. If you can make it to the heart of her sanctum. There is a fountain in a shrine deep within her pyramid. That fountain is her secret to creating the dead that serve per bastet. Spoil that fountain and you stop the dead. The dead allow her to wield enormous power and are critical to the defense of the city. And with that, he, he uh, <sighs> writes one last thing down. There. That is the address of the Cat Slide Alley here in town. Keep it a secret. Very few people know about it. I'd like to keep it that way. Thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, he leaves. And the doctor follows after him with um, the bottles and a few guards walk in and very politely gesture to escort you out. We go with them. Okay. You end up exiting the temple, not through the uh, the main double doors entry where you had previously entered, and you kind of exit out a side door that puts you out into the great square. And uh, Herrix is actually waiting for you. So, how'd it go? Did you get what you wanted? Look at Mira. Kind of nod our heads, yeah. A deal was struck and bargains fulfilled. <laughs> as is yours. Very good, very good. And he claps his hands together. He kind of gestures like, gimme. So, I use the easily accessible 
thing to save Eleanor's thirst. And now I have to go into like my deep storage. And so it takes me kind of like a minute, but sure. there's no clandestine presentation sure. because I know he's just going to turn around and sell it anyways. Yeah. There's no, he doesn't get the luxury of mystery and mystique. He just gets, I just hand it over with no mm. pomp and circumstance. Now everybody with an eye shot knows that he has it. Hmm. We only have six figs left. Seven. Seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. You sure? Hold well on. Because when we started the session out, we had nine. What? I... Because we had nine accounted for it because the ninth was accounted for reserved for Herrick's. Oh. Oh, okay. 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 Then we have seven figs. Yes. Yes. Cool. All right. Thank you. Okay. So the the uh the great square is a has turned into a bacchanalian where the wild things are party of the undead and it looks like you should probably get the hell out of here not a place for humans to be hanging around yeah yeah, I'm good with that. We okay. need to process. We book it straight okay. back to the inn. So no. you walk into the inn, um, and as soon as you walk in, um, the uh, the lady innkeeper comes running out, and she's got a uh, a pitchfork in front of her, and then she sees it's you, and oh, goodness. I was so scared. These nights are terrifying. Come in, come in. What were you doing out there? We completing we our just... business in yes. her anew. Yes. Ah, very good. Um, well, I'm glad you're okay. Go, go, go to your rooms. Do you need anything? Could we get dinner? Of course, I'll have it right up. Thank you. So we so go you head up. up to your room. Yep. And the door closes behind you. Definitely peeking out the window to see this crazy night. There is it the the uh the party is largely centered around the Great Square, but there are definitely groups moving around prowling around the streets and uh it but it looks like most people are trying to stay off the streets. So, um, there are, yeah, there are savage groups moving around and you do actually, at one point, there's two groups that intercept and end up having a fight right in the street that looks vicious and then disperses itself. Um, but it is, uh, it, it's definitely not a place you want to be. Okay. So, Mira, uh... It looks like we we could go to Mishkenitz. We could perhaps scope out where Tomlin is, what his situation is. I don't think we should go in and take Mishkenitz on. I, I think that we should just try to break in, get Tomlin, break out, and go.
I think that would be wise and certainly the most simple way. But there's just a part of me that just needs to see justice done. She can't continue to do this. We can't kill her, Mira. That's the only way she stops. She wants a tree of her own. What does someone who can wield and turn undead on a whim want with an infinite supply of eternal life? I don't know. And, you know, I don't, I don't really want to know. I think the best thing we can do is get back to the oasis where you can be with your tree and the grove and in the oasis and we can go back to how things were. We'll be safe. If she came after us once, now that she knows what we're capable of, she has infinite time, as does the Oasis. She'll just wait another 15, 30, 50, 100 years to do it again. But if you stay in the Oasis, she can't get you. If I stay there, she can't get me. We'll be safe. We just can't leave the Oasis. Are we going to entrust others to make future deliveries for the Sultan? Yes, or maybe... What happened to them? Well, that's not our problem. You're right. It's not our problem. It's mine. They're my figs. I created this mess. It is my responsibility whose lives I put at risk in serving their function. What I wanted, that notwithstanding, we clearly have time to debate the finer points of revenge and our methods in doing so. My question is, how are you? How are you feeling? How am I feeling? How am I feeling? Mira, we had a plan, and now that plan is blown up, gone, torn up. Can't even look at it now. I'm not happy. I just gave away a ton of blood. I had to eat a fig, our priceless treasure. I I just want a normal day. <laughs> well, when we get back to the Oasis, you will have an infinite number of normal days as you once did. And if you remember when we first arrived in Perbestet, you didn't want us to use the figs because you wanted to make sure you had enough supply to eat. Yes. Yes, I did. For good and measure. I didn't want to eat you. So I used them for the purpose that you were hoping they would serve at the onset of this unlucky adventure and I'm happy that I was able to do that for you and I would do it again I would do it seven more times you <laughs> might have to who knows <laughs> that being said 
what I was really asking was, you went through an ordeal. I can't imagine what that has felt like. I can't imagine what the last 250 years of your life has felt in this stasis. And I was happy to supply figs for their intended purpose to elongate life in whatever state that meant for whomever. I was happy to do it. I can't imagine swinging so far toward the other side. And I just want to make sure that you're okay. Gosh. I'm fine. I'm fine, Mira. She is so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's tired. She wants to go to sleep. <laughs> All right. Well, if I can help you in any way, please tell me if I can, I feel. Okay, Mira, I will go with you to Perestet. I will help you rescue Tomlin. I don't want to take out the God Queen. I don't think we can. I can respect that. If I don't want to, I've already burdened you enough. I don't want to burden you with my vengeance as well. You remember? If you help me, if you help me rescue Tomlin. Mira, do you remember the Palm Palace? We tried to kill God King. I remember it well. That did not. <laughs> that was not my favorite memory. I promise I will not do anything stupid. Okay. We take the cat slide alley, we get in, we get out, we get back on the shadow road. We get home. Yep. But I cannot live another day knowing I didn't do what I could to save Tomlin. And I hope you'd respect that. Oh, Mira, I, I, I'm going with you. All right. We're in it together then. 